Welcome to the very first episode of The Jesus Chronicles. I'm your host, Sandy Laws. The name of this podcast says it all. I'm walking through the life of Jesus in chronological order, from his birth in Bethlehem to his death and resurrection outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Well, maybe you're wondering what's unique about this podcast or my approach, and why should you listen? Well, let me tell you why the Jesus Chronicles, or the JC as I call it, is different from most studies about Jesus. I went to Denver Seminary where I earned a master's in biblical studies. Naturally, we spent a lot of time studying the New Testament, including the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But what we didn't do was to study the life of Jesus in the order of how it unfolded. Exactly what happened, when, and where, who was there, and what was said. To me, that was worth taking another look at. Maybe I could get some new insight into Jesus that I couldn't get by reading each of the four Gospels independently. That's how I came up with the Jesus Chronicles. Whether you know the story of Jesus really well, or you've just heard his name, this podcast is a good place to learn something new about Jesus. Think of it as your crash course about his world-transforming life. I'll start with the story of his birth in Bethlehem. This first series of eight podcasts is all about the Nativity story. And I'm pretty sure that we all have certain parts of this story in our mind because of Christmas. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you picture Mary and Joseph in a ramshackle barn in the middle of nowhere, huddled around baby Jesus, who was wrapped in a strip of cloth, lying on a bed of straw in a feeding trough. And in the barn are some random animals, definitely a donkey, maybe a cow, and some sheep. And then there are the shepherds who show up to see Jesus, followed by three guys who are wise men or kings or magi or something like that. They followed a star to find Jesus, and they brought those three special presents for him. These are just some pieces and parts of the Christmas story, some of which are true and some of which are not, that we have in our head. And we've collected these images based on going to church on Christmas Eve watching Christmas movies, listening to Christmas music, and sending out Christmas cards. But I want to uncover the real story, not the reimagined version influenced by both the church and our culture. If I'm going to do this the right way, I have to do some research and lay the groundwork. I can't just start with Jesus in the manger. He didn't just arrive on the scene. According to the Bible, his birth was part of an epic universe-wide plan developed by God to save humankind. This is a much bigger story than just a special baby being born. Here is a preview of this first series of podcasts. I begin by telling you about the place called Israel, because that's where Jesus was born. I talk about the timing of his birth, and also about what the prophets in the Old Testament said about Jesus coming to earth. Next, I give you a quick history lesson about the four centuries before Jesus was born and what was going on in Israel. But don't worry, I promise it's a flyover history lesson. You only need to know enough about Israel's long history to get the lay of the land at the time of his birth. Following that, I'll zero in on a period of time right before he was born 
and introduce you to two hugely influential characters in the Nativity story, Caesar Augustus, the Roman Emperor, and King Herod, the client king of Israel. From there, I'll tell you more about Mary and Joseph and what life was like for them in Nazareth, the small town where they lived. Finally, I'll get into the specific stories about his birth as told by Luke and the Apostle Matthew in their two Gospels. And lastly, I'll tell you how Christmas evolved into what it is today. Clearly, I'm covering a lot of ground in these eight episodes. I can assure you, though, that if you listen, you'll have the real birth narrative fixed in your mind, and it's a much better story than the hallmark moments created by our culture. One last thing before I get started. I think it's best to listen to each episode in sequence since they build on each other. But of course, I can't make you do that. Okay, so here we go. In this episode, I'm covering three topics. First, the place where Jesus was born. Second, the timing of his birth. And third, whether anyone knew he was coming. Israel, the place where Jesus was born. Everything that happened to Jesus happened in the place we now know as the state of Israel. Israel has been inhabited by one group of people after another for thousands of years. But I'm focused on the birth of Jesus, so I'm going to look at just enough of Israel's long, long history to help us to understand why he was born there at all. And to do that, we have to jump back in time, all the way back to the time when the Israelites left Egypt or exited Egypt after their 400-plus year captivity. This was in the 13th or 14th century BC. This massive group of hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children left Egypt And then they wandered in the Sinai Desert for 40 years. When they finally crossed the border into Israel, they had to fight to retake their former homeland. Now, once they gained control of Israel, they divided up the land into 12 regions, one region for each of the 12 tribes of people. These 12 tribes lived independently from each other in their designated land, and they were self-governed by a series of judges. In 1000 BC, David rises to power, and all 12 tribes are united under his leadership. The newly formed nation was called the United Kingdom of the Tribes of Israel. It remained united under David and his son Solomon. There's two things to keep in mind about King David that are relevant to our study. First, he was born in Bethlehem, and second, Jesus is a descendant of David, as we will see. Now, after King Solomon died, the 12 tribes split again into two groups. Ten of the tribes in the northern lands banded together and became the kingdom of Israel. The other two southern tribes became the kingdom of Judah. The two kingdoms operate for a few hundred years until 722 BC, when the kingdom of Israel is conquered by the Assyrians. 137 years later, Judah is conquered by the Babylonians. Thus ended the independent rule of the Israelites. 
This is a bittersweet time for the Jewish people. What happens next is that Israel is ruled by a series of powerful foes. The Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans all conquer and rule over Israel. At the time of Jesus' birth, Israel was controlled by Rome. It was called the Roman province of Judea. So keep this image in mind. Israel and the Jewish people were subjected to foreign rule for centuries. Okay, as fascinating as Israel's history is, what I really haven't told you about is what Israel, the place, is like. Well, Israel is really beautiful. It's not this barren wasteland that everyone has in mind. No, it's a, it's a beautiful country with something for everyone. I can see why it's described as the land of milk and honey. It's lush and green up north in the Fertile Crescent region with flowing waters, forests, and extensive farmlands. And Tel Aviv is a cosmopolitan hotspot. It rivals any city in Europe for its nightlife, and it has beautiful beach resorts on the Mediterranean. The sand-swept desert to the south looks a little like our Grand Canyon. There's a sweet freshwater lake called the Sea of Galilee that is surrounded by hills and dotted with small towns and cities. There's also a body of water filled with salt, known as the Dead Sea. Literally, the only thing alive on this body of water are the people who float on top of it for fun. I really do love Israel. I've been there many times, and I encourage you to go. God's Timing for Sending Jesus to Earth you a little bit about Israel's history and what it's like today. Because we're talking about the life of Jesus, I also want you to know what Israel was like when Jesus was born. In the first century AD, Israel was populated primarily with Jewish people, but also with Roman citizens and immigrants from surrounding countries. There aren't any census records from that time, so we have to guess about what the size of Israel's population was. An educated guess is that perhaps 700,000 Jews lived in and around Jerusalem, with a total population for the entire region of less than a million people. Now compare this to Rome. A million people lived in the city of Rome at this very same time. Israel, in comparison to some of its neighbors, was a backwater country. So Jesus is born in a place in the Middle East that is sparsely populated and controlled by the Romans. And the obvious question is why? Why then? Why there? And the answer is no one knows. I only have this to say. God's ways are not our ways. When, where, and how God decides to insert himself into human history, it's always a surprise to us. If God knows everything... Well, then he certainly knew what he was doing when he sent Jesus to Israel to become a man. In the Bible, there is a reference to this issue of the timing of Jesus' coming. Paul the Apostle writes this in Galatians. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. This reference to the set time really means the fittest time in the world's long history. It means the fullness of time. 
the very best time of all. Who knew about Jesus coming to earth? My final topic for this episode is whether or not anyone knew that Jesus was coming to earth. For that information, I have to turn to the Old Testament. And as it turns out, several of the prophets in the Old Testament knew something about the birth and life of Jesus and wrote about it centuries before it happened. Okay, let me just stop to say that talking about the prophets in the Bible and their prophecies can be tough. I studied the prophets in seminary, and I'm not going to lie, it was hard to keep all the prophets straight. But I don't need to dive too deep into the books of the prophets before I find some interesting things. For example, the prophet Micah talked about the place where Jesus would be born, in Bethlehem. Malachi wrote that Jesus would be preceded by a messenger, who turns out to be John the Baptist. Jeremiah said that Jesus would be born a king. There are plenty of prophecies about Jesus that I could research and discuss. But because I'm focused again on the birth story, I want to zero in on two prophecies that are specific to that event and that tie into our story. One is in the book of Isaiah. The other is from the book of Daniel. I'll start with Isaiah. Here's a little background. According to Jewish tradition, Isaiah was the cousin of the king of Judah. Remember a little earlier, I told you that Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Well, while Isaiah was alive and acting as a prophet, he lived in the kingdom of Judah. His cousin Ahaz was the king. This was in the 8th century BC, so hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Now, the book of Isaiah is massive. It's 66 chapters. And the book delves deeply into God's plan for universal restoration. But right now, I'm going to drill down on a specific encounter between Isaiah and Ahaz. So here's the setting. Ahaz is caught in the middle of a big conflict between the kingdom of Assyria and the kingdom of Israel. To protect his country, the kingdom of Judah, he's considering making a military alliance with the king of Assyria. But God doesn't want Ahaz to do that. Instead, God wants Ahaz to trust in him to deliver Judah from its enemies. Isaiah goes to Ahaz to give him this message. Isaiah tells Ahaz something like this. Ahaz, I know you're not sure what to do, but I want you to ask for a sign from God to show you his power and to prove his faithfulness to you. Ask God to give you a sign that he will deliver you from his enemies. This is all in Isaiah chapter 7. Surprisingly, Ahaz refuses to take Isaiah's advice. But God, being God, decides to give Ahaz the sign anyway, even if he didn't ask for it. Now, this is where it gets interesting, and also because it has to do with prophets and prophecies, where it can get a little confusing. So hang in there with me. Isaiah tells Ahaz that the sign from God will be this. A young woman, translated as virgin, will give birth to a child who will be called Emmanuel, 
The meaning of the Hebrew word Emmanuel is God is with us. Okay, let's pause for a minute. Now this sounds familiar. It's definitely a part of the nativity story. Jesus' mother Mary was a young Jewish woman and a virgin, and she gave birth to Jesus. And as an adult, Jesus himself claims to be the Son of God, so God with us. The obvious question is this. Was this sign from God about delivering Judah from its enemies really about the birth of Jesus? And the answer is yes. Scholars have put forth several options of how this prophecy gets fulfilled, both at the time of Ahaz and then again when Jesus was born. And the vast majority of scholars agree that it does point to Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to deliver his people from their enemies. You know what? This is just one example of how the prophets and their prophecies point to Jesus as being sent from God. You can find dozens of direct predictions about Jesus coming in the Old Testament. Okay, let's move on to the other person who has something to say about when Jesus would be born. His name is Daniel. Now, Daniel, he's an interesting guy. His book in the Old Testament chronicles the period of time from 605 to 530 BC, so about two centuries after Isaiah. As a young man, Daniel lived in Jerusalem among the royalty of that city. He had a good life. He was smart and well-liked by the rulers. But life in the kingdom of Judah was unstable. Even though it was a small country as compared to its neighbors, it was in the crosshairs of more than one neighboring king. In 605 BC, the Babylonians invaded and took control of Judah. Daniel and his friends and tens of thousands of Jews were exiled to Babylon. Well, because Daniel was associated with royalty in Jerusalem, he was appointed to serve in King Nebuchadnezzar's household. Daniel had one skill that was highly valued by the rulers. He had the ability to interpret dreams, both his own and those of others, and his job was to interpret the dreams of the king. In the Bible, he interpreted the dreams of three kings over several decades— Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. Daniel lived a fascinating life. Again, I want to drill down to one particular story. Daniel also had his own dreams and visions, but he didn't always know how to interpret them. So one day, Daniel is praying in the early evening, and he has a vision. The angel Gabriel next shows up. I'll tell you a lot more about Gabriel in episode four. Now, Gabriel was sent by God to help Daniel to interpret his dreams. More specifically, a dream Daniel had about the span of time that the people of Judah would live in exile. The phrasing in the text describes this period of time as 77s. One way to interpret this number is as a literal reference to a 490-year period of time, 70 times 7. Therefore, according to Gabriel, Daniel's dreams are about a period of time when various outsiders would rule over Israel, including the Persians, Greeks, and Romans. These different empires 
will rule over Israel, and in the end, God will deliver his people from exile by sending a Messiah, a Savior. And it is Jesus who comes to liberate the Israelites from their exile, but perhaps not in the way they were expecting. I'm telling this story for two reasons. First, it's interesting that the time that Israel is in exile, this 400 years plus span of time, corresponds with the period of time between the Old and New Testaments. I'm going to talk about that specifically in the next episode. And secondly, the presence of Gabriel in the story is key. Why? Because the next time we hear from Gabriel in the Bible is just before the birth of Jesus, when he appears to a priest in the temple in Jerusalem to tell him about the birth of John the Baptist. Now just, again, pause for a minute to think about this. Gabriel shows up to Daniel and tells him that the Israelites will be in exile for this long period of time, and then he shows up again right before Jesus is born. I mean, to me, that's one of those aha moments when several dots get connected in the story of Jesus' birth. The terrible plight of the Israelites for century after century, and their need for a Savior to deliver them from their enemies, and the many prophecies about Jesus coming to save them, plus the presence of a heavenly angel, and then the birth of Jesus, well, all of this confirms to me that the birth of Jesus is a key part of God's plan to save humankind. What it means to us today. Okay, I've answered our three questions leading up to the birth of Jesus. Where was Jesus born? When was he born? And who knew about his birth before it happened? I also want to share what I think this information means on a theological level. After all, we're talking about the birth of Jesus. There's always a spiritual component to his story. When I think about what this information tells me as a Christian, a couple of key things comes to mind. One, God wants us to trust him. He has a plan in place for the world and for us. We can see this in his long involvement in the land called Israel and the people who are his followers. Not only did he provide for the Israelites, he provides for the entire world. He created us and he created a place where we could live and thrive. And second, God has his own timing for everything. Our lives are literally in his hands and we must not only come to accept that, but to appreciate it. We've just begun to put the pieces into place, but every piece we identify helps us to see the vastness of God's plan. You'll see the plan unfolding as we go along. Next time on the JC. Next time on the Jesus Chronicles, I'll talk about the period of time between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. I mean, even if history isn't your thing, it's incredibly insightful and helpful when it comes to understanding the world into which Jesus was born. The Jesus Chronicles is written and produced by Sandy Laws. 
It is edited by Stacy Sepp. Check out my website at www.thejesuschronicles.org for more information. Thanks for listening.